Today we have a special guest and we are in conversation with TLB Gruber fondly named as Chart. Chart is in the world of spirituality for over 30 years. He has been a meditation teacher for that long and he is the author of the book The Perennial Truth. Hi Nicholas. Um so uh, yes and and thank you for the opportunity. So so basically um back in the early 90s 1991 um i was a, a professional bodybuilder um and an accountant at the same time and uh i was i was doing quite well um at at both of these uh, endeavors uh when when i had my first spiritual experience i was preparing for a, a bodybuilding show and uh i had what one would call a um a, a sort of a inspired or a supernatural experience where uh my soul started speaking to me and as part of this conversation that was taking place um i was shown some things and then told that uh, if i wanted uh, i could commence my journey yes and and this kick started a whole search for the truth um so i traveled uh to many schools uh many teachers many gurus uh i met um in pursuit of this truth um that this voice had told me about and um so that led it led me on 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 a 20 22 year adventure of discovery and uh, experiences and um and this inner voice speaking um at different times um during this adventure and this ultimately led in 2012 to a um a more direct communication from within uh which revealed uh, to me the perennial truth um now um at that point when 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 this was being shared um i didn't really know what perennial truth was to be honest um and uh so it it took a little time 6 years to to put it all together and to understand uh what what i'd been given um and to present that to the to the world in the form of the the book the perennial truth So so that's the background so I've been very privileged to meet uh, many great masters and teachers um and study many very interesting paths and and even when I was writing the book um I had to fill in some spaces which were not necessarily shared so I had to make sense um of the language that one would use to describe this this truth this understanding and so so it led to a lot of studying um western philosophy western psychology um eastern philosophy eastern psychology to to be able to express i think in a useful way what 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 i was uh, given pretty good thank you so much for providing your background I was going through your profile chart and I did read that you suffered with autism you also had deafness 
would you mind sharing your experience how was it like when you were dealing with both of these things was it different for you while you were growing up yes with with absolute pleasure so so i think uh, deafness is um is is a bigger problem in the, from a social perspective than than one may think um so uh, especially if you're completely deaf on one side um um you don't hear people so if anybody is to the left of you and they speak to you or they call your name or anything like that then then you can't hear you can't hear them at all um and if you if you're in a room where um there's a lot of voices um you can't hear anything at all right you you don't have the 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 dolby stereo <laughs> to be able to single out the sounds that the person is making that is speaking to you you, you you're not able to do that um and then um being on the spectrum of autism basically means that interacting with other people on top of this um doesn't come to you naturally uh, so in other words you don't automatically know how to behave in a social setting when you're interacting with people um so it's something that you have to learn um and and you know as it is uh, if you if you more than 50% deaf um and you on the spectrum of of autism um then it means that essentially your your social skills um are are lacking um you, you don't have an ability to interact with people socially so what this led to was um uh, i became very uh performance oriented right so i just focused on being the best at whatever it was so if it was academics i was the number one academic in the school so i was num- uh, i was what they call the the dux uh the the laureate the 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 number one student in in the standard uh and athlete i was the top sprinter uh, in the district and things like that so i excelled at sport and i excelled at academics but i was still isolated i was still alone and and so this makes it very difficult for a person to love yourself yes because you feel that everybody is judging nobody is with you it's you against the world and and this is this is the situation that i grew up with when i was at school and it's only when i went to university and i landed up in a in a hostel at university of pretoria studying accountancy that i was forced into a social setting where i had to acquire these skills So those first years at university from age 18 and onwards were very difficult it was very difficult to learn all these social skills that I hadn't acquired when I was younger 
And so you, you, you end up acquiring the skills, but it doesn't feel truthful. It doesn't feel sincere for you because you're saying the right things and you're making the right gestures and you're interacting in an appropriate way, but it feels false. It feels like a mask. And so, um, so, so I had this sense that there had to be a more sincere way to interact with the world. There, there had to be a more authentic way to be with people. Um, and that was, I think, at the root of my quest to find the truth, is why am I like this? Why are other people different? And how can I be more like them? You know? And, and so, because what I found is that even when you're successful, it doesn't mean you love yourself. E even when you're successful, it doesn't mean you're happy. Success in, in the world, when, and I, had, I was fortunate to be very successful when I was very young. Um, I soon discovered that success doesn't give you happiness. So even though I was a, a successful chartered accountant, and even though I was a successful bodybuilder, um, I, I still wasn't happy. I still, I still didn't lead what I would describe as a fulfilled life with meaning. And so, and I think that was really behind that event that happened in 1991 when I had this spiritual, the supernatural experience. And, and that set me on a journey of discovering a higher truth, a truth that was beyond what I had learned so far up to, up to that stage. Thank you so much for providing the social context about your background. It is a timely reminder for everyone in this society to treat everyone nicely, to treat everyone equal. There may be people who may be lacking something as per the normal or society norms, but does not mean they are any less. So, Chart, coming to your background, the autism and deafness definitely made a mark on you. You started to see life differently. You started to evolve yourself by adopting a strategy to be best in everything you do. You started to be best in athleticism. You started to be good in chartered accountancy. So would you say your experience of being autistic and deafness played a major role in how you started to see things? Yeah, because absolutely. They, they... You know, to me, the, 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 I think everything was building towards that moment that I was, I was literally on the wrong path. I was, I was going down a path which was going to bring me much misery. And, and it, it was almost a warning for me. To, to, and, and actually, that, that voice that spoke to me said that quite directly. It, it said to me, this is your last competition. This nonsense is just damaging your body. This is not good. And, and so, so literally, I was going down a path which many people will think will bring them happiness. You know, many people think money will bring you happiness, success will bring you happiness. 
looking attractive will bring you happiness. And, and I had discovered that none of this is true. You know, we, 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 when we don't have it, we think that will bring us happiness. But then when you get it, you discover that, oh, that was a lie. It's not true. I, I have that social acceptance now. I, I have that material success now. I have fans now. I had, I had people that were fans of the bodybuilding that were, that were fans uh, for me, of me. And even with all of that, I, I was always sure that once I have that, I will be happy. And what I discovered was all that hard work came to nothing because even when I had that, if, if, if you don't know who you are, if, if you haven't accepted who you are, if you can't love who you are, you're not going to be happy. So now that we have discussed what life is not, let's discuss what life actually is. Would you mind describing your experience that day when you had this understanding or this realization? What happened and how you started to see life? And also, if you can explain more what the perennial truth is. So, um, so the perennial truth came in very small fragments in the beginning, like moments of insight, which I had no context for. So, um, so the first thing that I was shown was, for example, that first night, that, that, that day when I was preparing for the bodybuilding competition, I was shown the three levels of being by the self. So it, it, it showed me as, it was shown to me as a, as a visual of, of what we might call in, in Vedantic literature as Shiva and Shakti and Ganesha, right? As, as the father, the mother, and the son, the Trinity, right? Um, and so in that first experience, I was shown that I'm a three-level being, that, that, that I have three different beings within me, that I have a physical being, uh, you know, that does physical stuff, and I have a mental being that sees the world and judges it, you know, interprets it. And then I have this emotional being which has feelings about all of this that is happening. You know, so, so, so my first exposure to perennial truth was that we all we are all a trinity and and that introduces a lot of complexity into our lives because i can be physically present but i can be mentally absent why well, could be doing a job and my heart is not in it so so this this was a great revelation for me personally because um, i had discovered that i hate accountancy And, and here I was, a chartered accountant that didn't like accountancy. My heart wasn't in it. Yes. And, and so, so when I was shown this, it was a great revelation for me because now I understood the value of doing something that you're passionate about. Doing something that you truly love is, 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 
is uh, is such an amazing opportunity if you have that because then your heart is in it and the work becomes effortless. Yes. So I I, I realized this that first day and then I also realized that okay, even if you don't love it, maybe if you're just interested in it, that second price. You know, it, it, it may not be something you're passionate about, but at least if you're interested in it, then it can still be enjoyable. You know, it can still be interesting. But if you're just doing the job and you're not interested in it and you don't love it, then you're in trouble. And I was in trouble because I had chosen a career for money and not one I was interested in, and certainly not one I was passionate about. So I knew I had to make a change. I, I had to implement a change in my life. And this is the nature of perennial truth. The nature of perennial truth is creating an understanding of how this all works, how I work, um, how you work, how we work, how things work inside here. And how it mirrors what's happening outside there in this world I perceive. So, so perennial truth is a truth that has really been pursued by, by mankind since the time of Plato. You know, in the West, Plato, in, 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 in the East, um, Vasista. You know, since, since the beginning of literature, since the beginning of the written word, uh, mankind has been in the search of this higher truth, you know, and, and all the religions have attempted to, to say what this higher truth is. You know, if you, you could call it universal truths, something that is always true. So not something that is just true sometimes. Something that is always true could be called perennial truth. So we get what is what you could call seasonal truths. Something that is true in summer, but not true in winter. Something that is true in spring, but not true in autumn. So these are seasonal truths. So what I was being shown along this journey are those truths that are always true. You know, so, so I'm always, I always have these three levels of being. And I can't be in the present moment if I'm not here physically and mentally and emotionally. All three have to be present for me to be present completely, 100%. You know, I heard these teachings before that you have to be 100%. But I didn't understand what this meant. You know, I thought it was 100% effort, right? It's not 100% effort. In fact, when you're 100%, there is no effort. So, so this is the nature of perennial truth. So, um, so uh, Plato had a very nice story that he told, a parable that he used to tell about the perennial truth. Um, you know, he, he may have called it universal truth, you know, and, and there's a lot of common ground between universal truths and, you know, universal truth. In other words, if I say this is true, is it true everywhere in the universe? 
Or is it only true on earth? Is it only true here? Or is it true everywhere? And if it's true everywhere, is it true all of the time? Or is it seasonal? Okay. So, so this is the nature of perennial truth. And Plato had this story. He said that it's like we all live in a cave. And we think that everything in the cave is reality. We, we think everything that's in the cave is all there is to existence. But then one day somebody moves out of the cave into the sun. And they see that there's a whole different reality outside the cave. And that reality outside the cave is the truth, is the universal truth. But nobody has seen it. And now this guy comes, this individual comes back into the cave and tries to tell the other people about this reality that's outside the cave. But nobody wants to listen because they invested in the truth of the cave. The monetary system, the reward system, the political system, the, all the systems that humanity has introduced into life is, is life within the cave. So it's almost impossible to tell people about a larger reality because it doesn't serve their purposes, doesn't serve the effort to reach happiness within the cave. So, so this is the story of, of universal or perennial truth versus what's truth in your world. So how does this work? So to explain this in, in layman terms, I, I, will, I will cut to it very directly. One's, one's ego, our ego, which you could call your individual self, has certain identities. Um, so having come into this world, um, Chart or Vikas has got a specific identity that has been acquired. And this identity is, I'm a human being, I'm a man, I'm from India or South Africa, I'm a Christian or I'm a Hindu or I'm a Buddhist and so on and so on. So each one of us has got this individual self with a very limited, a very specific identity. And this identity determines what I'm aware of in the world. So I'm only aware of stuff in the world and reality that I'm interested in. The rest of reality I'm not aware of. So my mind projects a world into my consciousness. So through the senses, through sight, through the optical nerve, through, through the auditory nerve, through the five senses, different sounds, different sights, different objects, different forms, different colors, different tastes, different smells, 
are reaching my brain and my mind is projecting a reality, a worldview into my consciousness. And this is what my individual self sees. My individual self does not see, my ego does not see reality. What it sees is the best guess of my mind of what's out there beyond the skull. And this represents the cave. So if you look at your world that you perceive, that's your cave. And that cave is linked to your identity. And it may only be one or 2% of the actual reality that your senses are exposed to because my intellect, my mind, my vasanas and my, san and, and my sanskaras, my habits and my conditioning filter what the mind gets to project and what I'm interested in. And so this is the nature of the cave. So, so there is a reality that's beyond the senses. It's not a sensory experience. It's not limited to the senses. There's a reality that's much larger than the senses that we're simply not aware of, and we don't know how it works. And what we don't, haven't realized is that that reality has one underlying law, and that's the law of unity, the law of oneness. In Taoism, they would call it the great unity. So when I look at the world through my individual self, my ego, I see separate trees, I see separate people, I see separate things, I see everything separate, and I see myself separate from this world I find myself in. But the truth is that it is all the larger reality. Once you become exposed to it, through we can call the eye of intuition rather than the physical eyes then you experience the oneness of all which in christianity would be known as the kingdom of god which is beyond the cave so perennial truth is really that truth that is intended to lead one out of the cave and into the light, out of the limited confines of my identity, out into a larger world, and ultimately even beyond that. So I'll, I'll say more about that just now. I'll, I'll create a, a parallel for you that, that I think the, 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 the listener can quite easily associate with. So the perennial truth is the absolute truth. It is what is real. And anything that we think is real is simply an illusion, which is what you described as a cave. People look at their own caves and they are simply governed by the illusion. So now that we know what the absolute truth is, do you have any advice for people who even though understand what reality is or at least have some understanding of it but they fail to follow through they somehow are not convinced to start 
taking actions. So what advice do you have for people like those? Yes, yes, absolutely. So, you know, often the thing that moves us, often the, so of those three, the physical, the mental, the emotional, emotion is causal. Emotion causes movement. So often that emotion, often many of the emotions that we all experience are emotions of suffering, of being lonely, of being alone, even in the crowd, of being depressed, of being anxious, fearful. So what makes spiritual practice very easy and interesting and wonderful is if your heart is in it. So in other words, um, for, for me, perennial truth created understanding. And that understanding fostered acceptance of what was. And that acceptance allowed me then to move more and more into the present moment. So you can't move into the present moment if you can't accept the present moment. If there's anything in the present moment that you cannot accept, then that will become your barrier. It doesn't matter how much yoga you do. It doesn't matter how many pranayams you do. It doesn't matter how many mantras you repeat. If, if there's something that you can't accept in the present moment, then you are excluding yourself from it. Because to move into the present moment, you have to accept it completely. You have to flow into it. You have to connect to it. You have to become reintegrated. So for many of us, especially with COVID the last two years, Many of us have become locked away, locked down, away from nature. Nature is, is one of those larger-than-life aspects of existence that we can connect to. So just spending five, ten minutes a day putting your, yourself in a situation, your spiritual practice in a situation where you can connect to something bigger than you. Be it, be it having the discipline of watching a sunset at least three times a week to say, okay, at least three times a week, I'm going to sit quietly and watch the sunset. And while the sun is setting, be there completely. If thoughts arise in my mind, come back to the sunset. If, if, uh, if memories arise of the past or worries about the future, just saying, okay, just for 10 minutes now, we're going to watch the sunset. So for most of us, our isolation is because we've become isolated, literally. We've become isolated socially. We've become isolated from nature. And, and so now as this pandemic becomes endemic, 
as it becomes part of our lives, rather than just a passing wave, we now have the opportunity, we will have the opportunity in the next few months, all of us, as the lockdowns start being lifted and as, as, as the status of this, of, this, of this virus changes, uh, to move more back into nature, more opportunities to be in nature, more opportunities to be outside, even just in your garden or on the rooftop of the building or wherever you can, you know, and, and take other people with you. You know, if you, your family, say to your family, come, let's all sit outside for sunset for 10 minutes. No talking. You just sit and watch. Or on the rooftop, you know, get all your neighbors and say, come, we're going to sit on the rooftop of this building and we're going to watch the sunset. And start a movement. Start something. And make it fun. Because in that comradeship and, and being part of a group, it helps you commit. It, it helps you to commit more. And we have to find a way to make this fun. We can, do, we can do spiritual work as a discipline, but it's much more successful if it can be fun or even more if it can become a passion. Thank you so much for explaining that. So what you're saying is more than the practice itself, the acceptance of the truth is more important. So when people have acceptance towards the perennial truth, that is when they are able to move further into their practice. And in order to move further into their practice, you advise carving out some time from their daily schedule, spending time with nature, shutting the mind from past or future or illusions or imaginations that it creates. And just to make it fun, involve more people. Just don't go or do it yourself. Involve the whole community. Yes, absolutely. And it will sustain you, you know. George, George Gurdjieff, who was the founder of the Fourth Way, he always used to say, it takes a community to succeed. It takes a group to succeed in spirituality. You know, he used to say, how it works is if you have 20 people, then at least someone's alarm clock will go off. And that person can wake the rest. But if you're on your own and you fall asleep, it's difficult to wake up. Yes. So, so what, wherever you are in your life right now, whatever your situation is in life right now, if you really want to make progress in your life towards happiness, you have to accept what's there now. So, so doesn't matter what you have now. It starts with acceptance of where you are now, and then the first steps towards something better can be implemented, you know, small steps, small things, you know, watching a sunset, um, uh, going for a walk, you know, we have a, we have an interesting guy here in our neighborhood. Um, he, he walks every morning with an umbrella because obviously Africa is very hot. And so, and so he walks past our, our street, along our street, past our house, in the mornings with his umbrella. So one day I stopped him and I said, what are you doing? And he said, he likes to walk and speak to God. 
but the sun is too hot, so he's got an umbrella. And and so so making it fun, it, it has to be fun if you want to move quickly. But if you can't have fun, then at least have some discipline, you know, like brushing the teeth. Do your pranayams every day, do your mantra every day, do those things that bring you back to the self and back to the present moment, to the expanded state of mind. Because happiness is nothing other than a state of mind. So when your mind is expanded, when you are in acceptance, then naturally you start feeling lighter at the moment, a thunderstorm. So I don't know if it's that because, yeah. So, so anyway, where we were is that, um, so if you can find stuff that is fun to do, that's not just a discipline, that's first prize, but second prize is at least have the discipline, you know, at least follow your techniques, do that. Uh, we have a technique called Mahakala, which we practice. Um, so Mahakala uses the senses, the sense experience, to come into the present moment. And so it can be done anywhere. So you can practice Mahakala when you're sitting in the meeting at work. You can practice it when you are having your lunch. Uh, you can have it when... So, so, um, so many experiences during the day that are just mundane activities, washing the dishes stuff like that can become part of your meditative practice. So what this allows me to do is to come into the present moment while I'm performing this very simple activity, like walking or washing the dishes or making my dinner, making my meal or eating the meal. Or, so, so most of the time when we're doing an activity, we're thinking, so one part of our mind is involved in doing the activity, but the other half of our mind, because we've got the two hemispheres, is involved in thinking. So we're never fully present in our activities. So by using Mahakala, you can teach yourself to be in the present moment when you're performing mundane activities, you know, even like driving your car or walking to work, or whatever it may be. So, so what happens now is I start integrating my meditative practice into my daily activities. It's not that I need to sit for half an hour or hour in the morning before I assume life, my life activities, to do spiritual practice. My, my, my mundane activity can be my spiritual practice. It's like dynamic Zen. So Zen and action, right? So these are the kind of things that we teach our students here um, in South Africa and our online students um, so, that, so that meditation or being in the present moment or mindfulness practices can be more fun than just sitting in, a, in an enclosed environment. We've been enclosed so long now for two years it's nice now to take the meditation and take it outside the door and into the garden and into the world. Very good. Thank you so much for explaining that. So, Chart, the other aspect of this is we live in a world where people 
look for instant gratification they look for instant outcome and when they do do not see reciprocation of their effort they get dejected depressed or they give up things so what advice do you have for people who are not able to instantly see the results so um one <clears throat> excuse me one should see it like you see going to gym so if you go to gym um you can't do one session in gym for one hour and now expect that you will have muscles yes um it's going to take dedication you know there's there's delayed gratification with this kind of thing any any discipline you learn you're not going to pick up the guitar and start playing beautiful music after one one hour training session on how to play a guitar now you can imagine the mind is a much more sophisticated instrument than a guitar or training the body so you have to you have to be patient with yourself you have to allow yourself the space and the time to develop these abilities these skills to be able to live life skillfully artfully so at the beginning you you have to believe a little bit you have to say okay <clears throat> i'm going to believe that this will help me if i persist now with a practice like maakala um the first time you do it you will already see an effect so what makes maakala very powerful is that every time you do it you will see an effect but to see a big effect you have to do it regularly you know so the reward is a little bit delayed but in the beginning you have to trust and once you start seeing the results you'll become inspired to to do more you know it's it's with anything in life do the small thing you can do pick the small thing you can commit to you know if it's if it's if it's anything in your house you know it, it doesn't even have to be spirituality but if your house is in a mess then first thing is create order in the house create order in your environment and then if you succeed at that then take confidence from that take inspiration from that and then move on to something a little bit bigger something that's a little bit more challenging than just that you know like maybe um yourself you know <laughs> all these thoughts i'm having um you know are they are they all are they all serving me you know are, are all these thoughts that i'm having just start having a look at your thoughts how how many negative thoughts am i allowing how many positive thoughts am i allowing become start becoming aware of your thoughts what kind of thoughts am i entertaining in myself that are coming you know and and you'll be surprised you know to see oh okay the negative thought is there but the negative thought is there to protect me but i can say to the thought thank you very much but i don't need protection right now i'm okay but thank you thank you for reminding me of last time something happened thank you 
You know, so slowly, slowly we can start moving on to small goals in the beginning. So build your build your successful journey on small steps, you know, and take encouragement from small successes. And then slowly, slowly, one day you will see that you you you're a you're a virtuoso. You can play the most beautiful music on that guitar because you've become master of your mind. So what you're saying is it is all about common sense. People should have realistic expectations. They should have patience. They should give it some time before they see something happening. So the other side of people who are looking for instant gratification is that they spend too much energy into finding out whether or not they are doing the right practice or whether or not they are doing practice in the right manner and in doing so at times they end up getting discouraged and stopping the practice altogether so what advice do you have for people like those okay so so there's a there's a beautiful story um that that I that I'd like to share with you um there there was this uh, there was this priest who was um you know almost like a like a bishop within the church and he was going around and visiting um all the different missionary stations where the other priests were to check that everything is okay and one day he had to go to the small island where there were two priests living on the island and 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 teaching uh the 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 local people about uh, christianity and and he went there and um they they had a certain hymn that they used to sing and they uh, so he observed while they were singing it and then he said to them ah this this devotional song to god um is is you're not doing it 100% correctly you know so he corrected them and and then uh, once it was all done and they were very grateful for the correction and they were very sincere he left the island and as he was rowing one of them ran after him on the water and stood by the side of the boat on the water and asked him just to repeat the lesson just once more so that they could be sure and he said forget about it so when your heart's in it it will work it doesn't matter what it is if even if you're doing it wrong so find something that inspires you find something that you can put your heart into whatever that is and you will find that it will it will be most beneficial to you so in other word rather than worrying about the techniques or doing this versus that it is all about the intention that we have believing in something that we do and we will surely see the results yeah so and so thank thank you for that and your heart must be thank you for that yeah 
Mm-hmm. And 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 put your heart in it. Your whatever heart. you do. Yes. And and if your heart yes. is not in it, find something that you can put your heart into, especially with spiritual practice. Find something that you are prepared to give your heart to. So rather than finding a practice which somebody or other may say it is really powerful or really effective. go after something that you are already connected to where you yes. can give your heart to yes yes so my second last question to you is that there's this other set of people who are aware of this idea who understand that there's more to life but then somehow they are not able to take the right step in order to get into spirituality somehow they are still fascinated by the illusion somehow they are still attracted to the materialistic world so what advice do you have for people like those yes. who have some understanding but they are still dealing with the materialistic nature of this world and they are still finding hard to get into spirituality yes so so if if you invested in the cave if if you have an investment in 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 the cave in your identity in your individual self and that life then the best thing to bring in is knowledge because slowly slowly what you value will start shifting slowly slowly and it's a natural thing as you get older it will shift anyway but also if you introduce some understanding some knowledge and understanding can come then you can start learning even from other people's mistakes you can start learning even from other people's experience you don't have to take that long journey of running after success all your life only to find out that wealth and fame and big family and all of these things are not going to bring you what you want what what is it what you truly want just just let me ask you this question what does the future mother really want does she want the child does she want the experience of having the child or does she want the feeling of being a mother what is it that she wants most what is it that she wants first what would you say what am i most attached to the object or the experience or the feeling what would you say what is causal okay so if you are asking me we are looking for that feeling by doing something we want to achieve something we want to feel something that we currently think we do not have yes yes so this kind of knowledge this kind of understanding what once you start introducing understanding knowledge to people that are stuck in a particular way with attachment or with desire then knowledge can slowly start transforming 
that understanding and allowing one to say, okay, so maybe what I put great value on is not the most valuable. Maybe how I'm feeling is more valuable than the career or the house or the car or all of that, because in the end, all I'm trying to do is manipulate my feeling. So if I can work directly with feeling, if I can work directly on how I feel in life, in my life, then I will have the greatest success. Then all of a sudden, the pursuit changes. So your advice for people who are skeptical is that they should first acquire the information, they should acquire the knowledge, before trying to understand too much about it. Once they let the knowledge come in, that's when they can go understand the deeper meaning behind that knowledge and they start to see the reality. I would like to give another advice for someone who is skeptical, someone who is still attached with the materialistic world. I would ask you to reflect back and explain I would ask you to reflect back on your journey so far and see the thing that you considered to be happy or happiness. Did they actually bring happiness? And when you look back, you will see that they did bring happiness, but only for a short while. So if something is bringing happiness, which is temporary, shouldn't you be going after something which gives you a permanent happiness. And when you inquire that, when you explore that, you will automatically be able to look at things beyond this materialistic nature of the world. You will start to be more spiritual. So before I get to my last question, is there any final word that you have for our listeners? Yes, absolutely. So, we, we're on this cusp of a new age. So we, we, we've just entered the age of Aquarius. And we're out of that dark age of Pisces, the age of the martyr. And this is truly a time of awakening, of knowledge, of understanding, of uh, personal liberation. This is, this is what you see it can be so difficult to make sense of what's happening in the world right now. There's so much chaos. There's so much polarization between the left and the right. A whole new cancel culture. All of this stuff is going on. Just, just take hope from the fact that this is the time of change. This is the time of the change of a great age. And with this change comes immense opportunities that will be coming towards us for personal growth, for growth as a society, for growth and understanding, growth and religion. So, so take hope from the fact that you live in interesting times and the good part is still ahead. You, you're facing the bad times now, you're facing the chaos of change. But, 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 but very soon from the chaos, from the storming, we will move into a forming stage. Um, and then after that, we will start excelling as a kind. So, so take hope, take some hope from the fact that 
this chaos that we're in right now, this too shall pass, and we'll move into a more enlightened mankind into the future. So if people want to reach you, where they can reach you, whether about understanding the perennial truth or Mahakala system that you talked about, or maybe the meditation classes, because you do take meditation classes as well. Yes, because um, so we've got we've got a website schoolofsamaya.org, uh, which basically describes uh, all the different systems that we that we offer, be it technique or be it understanding. The perennial truth, the book, the perennial truth is available on all the e-commerce platforms like Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, and, and all those platforms. Um, and if they want to engage with us. Um, about Mahakala, the technique is available on the website as well. Uh, they can just engage with us and then see how we can facilitate and help um, in any way to, to turn their life into the adventure it should be. And I will provide the link to your website in the description yes, below. Yes, it's been, a, it's, it's been an honor to be, uh, to be on your podcast because... And thank you for your poignant and interesting questions. And uh, I, I hope we speak again in the future. Absolutely. It was a pleasure talking to you as well. Do take care of yourself. Thank you. You thank you. Okay. Namaskar. We were in conversation with TLB Kruber and we were discussing the perennial truth. I will look forward to having you in the next episode with a new guest or a new topic. Till then, take care and hope you make progress in your spiritual journey. Namaskar.